on today's episode of the Bolts broadcast. The Iceman comes to Tampa. Be tuned. Season 3, Episode 77 of the Bolts Broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Crawshaw joining you today. Chase, how are you on this lovely Sunday afternoon? I'm hanging in. You know, it's uh, interesting weather out there. I, you know, I walked and told you, I, I was feeling pretty hot. I, I was out there sweating my arse off, but then mm-hmm. you pull up the thing and it says only says 79. So, yep. you know, a bit, bit of a heat index today and me no like the heat, so... You know, when I'm inside, I'm, I'm feeling great, but when I'm outside, not feeling so great, so kind of just all right. Yeah, how are you? Mm. Uh, I'm okay. Feeling a, a little bit tired. I think it might have to do with last night, but yeah. we had some fun. Played a little King's Cup, which is a new game that we got, a new drinking game that you got, and brought it over and had some fun with it. Yeah, it, it was a pretty good time. I liked it. It's For those of you who have, you know, that are listening and have partaken in drinking games, it's pretty similar to um, Waterfall. But it's a little bit different at the same time. It's you know a similar type of premise, but all these cards that they bunch of them have different actions. Um, like every single card, pretty much is unique minus a couple. Um, but it, it was a, it was a pretty good time. I definitely recommend. Uh, you know, not a sponsor, but re- recommend checking out the game. You know, p- possibly looking into it online, maybe buy it, play it with your friends. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it, and I'm excited to play it again next time because we didn't even get to finish all of the, or at least go through all of the cards. Yeah, there's so. quite there's quite a bit. So I'm very excited to see what else was in store. Uh, I think my favorite one was probably Sheriff, the one that you got. Yeah. Uh, just because it scared a lot of people. It, yes, it, it did very much. Uh, that 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 was that was definitely fun. It's it's a lot a lot of action cards you get to hold on to and kind of use at, at your free will. And that's what the Sheriff card was. Um, but it, it's it's def- definitely a unhealthy game. I recommend 100% people checking it out. For sure. And so on this episode of the Bolts broadcast, we are going to be doing a draft review. Look at uh, what happened in the draft overall. Also look at some of the players that Tampa were able to bring in. And then on the other side of the commercial break, doing a little free agency preview. Uh, there's also some other stuff we need to talk about, like some trade talks, some extensions, stuff like that. So before we hop into the draft review, though, we do want to send our thoughts and prayers to the Marchment family um unfortunately brian marchment passed away uh while he was preparing for the draft and if you watch the draft you know there was a lot of um i guess memorials from teams towards the marchment family because it was very sudden yes a lot of respects were paid it it did come a bit out of nowhere uh Father of Mason, current NHLer, uh, you can recognize him with the Florida Panthers, um, a longtime NHL player and um, executive scout. He you know, made a strong impact on the league, made a strong impact on a lot of lives, so it, it was definitely very sad, very somber to hear about that happen, happen, hear about that happening, especially with it being so sudden. So thoughts out to him and his family, and I know there's a lot of outpouring love coming from the NHL community. Yeah, love to see that. Um, let's now do a draft review. Yeah. Talk about... Let's talk about kind of the shock and awe that happened first before we hop into some Tampa prospects. Uh, So I think a lot of us expected Shane Wright to be that number one player, if not number one, uh, maybe, you know, number two or number three. And just none of those happened. 
as well as, you know, a bunch of trades that happened prior to the actual draft, including the Debrinket trade and stuff. So it was just a wild first half hour or so. Yes, it was absolutely in- insane. And Bob McKenzie, his list, yet again, is correct. Um, he has predicted the number one overall, not really him, but his um, group of scouts that, that he has, has correctly predicted the number one overall pick every single year since he's been doing it um, this year when Sofkowski is ranked number one. Thought this was gonna be the year that the that the trend was gonna finally be broken. It should have been, but it wasn't. Slavkovsky went one. Um, whatever, fair enough. Good enough prospect in his own right. But um, you know, there's there's a certain player with the name right who was that that better guy. Uh, but the chaos didn't necessarily start there. It, it did really begin earlier in the day. Um, you know, the the Gorgiev trade was the first thing that started off NHL draft day, and then from there things just started piling on and on and on. We got the Demerget trade, then we got to Shane Wright falling miraculously to Seattle's hands at four. It, it was yep. just absolute chaos, but it was the most fun that an NHL draft has been in quite some time. Oh, absolutely. And we got Alexander Romanov moving teams, Kirby Doc moving teams. So just a lot of excitement around, you know, that first, I don't know, 10, 15 picks or so. And the fact that you had two Slovakians go back-to-back, one and two. You said it earlier in the in the season earlier in season three of the bolts broadcast that slovakia hockey is back this it, just shows it is it's so unbelievably unbelievably back three slovaks total in the first round including first and second overall two to the montreal canadians another one that probably should have went in the first round but he's he slipped a little bit uh, it it really it really is uh incredible it's pretty cool to see they got another high-end kid coming out next year too so mm-hmm. slovak hockey is really just hitting this, you know, this right wave of what they needed for talent. Uh, you know, their, I guess, former brother country, if you want to call them that, you know, current Czechia, when they, when they were Czechoslovakia. Uh, they, they've had, you know, a bit of a stranglehold on the hockey talent in the last few years, but Slovakia is finally catching up. So this is a good step for that country, for the development of hockey in that country. Uh, hopefully these guys all pan out well because it'll just be better in the long run for that country too. Yeah, and I got to say, after Simone Namich got drafted second overall, I looked to you, looked to your brother, looked to Johnny, and said, the winner of this draft is Logan Cooley because he was plagued to go to Arizona, and now he's going to go to Seattle. Man, what a success. And then Arizona decides to stick with Logan Cooley yeah. instead of go Shane Wright. I, I assume that they were Logan Cooley the whole time, assumed Shane Wright would be gone by this point. And then once it got to that point, they were just like, I mean, uh, Logan Cooley, we've kind of already had him slotted into the team. Yeah, I mean, you even saw when they, they cut the shade right after the first three picks every single time they got passed on. Mm-hmm. And especially the first two, Logan Cooley behind him was just like, was significantly more shocked than anybody else. Logan Cooley would just like had just these ridiculous expressions on his face. It, it was hilarious. But yeah, it, it was definitely unforeseen. Not Nothing that I expected, nothing that he expected, nothing that Shane Wright expected. Um, it, it was, it it was, this was nothing I could have actually predicted at the end of the day. Yeah. Which made it so much fun. Yeah. And then you saw Shane Wright after getting selected by Seattle, give a little death stare to the Montreal Canadians. Stared down the Montreal Canadians table. I love that. I love it so much. You just, you just know this kid's going to go out there and be, be a Montreal Canadian killer in his career. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about how. I want to see him put up like four or five points on Montreal every single time. Uh, I want Slavkovsky to do really well in these games as well. I don't sure, want him to yeah. you know be a bust or anything. But 
it's it's just going to be a lot of fun to yes, keep an is. eye on. And uh, we also had some big fallers in this draft. Uh, Brad Lambert, one of them. Uh, Joachim Kemmel dropping a 17. I know a lot of people are talking about Joachim Kemmel and the Nashville Predators. That might be the biggest winner of the draft because um, Kemmel was available at 17. Uh, we did see a little bit of that Russian slide with Moros Nachenko going at 20, Danila Yurov going at 24. Um, Just incredible. But overall, who would you say was the biggest slide in your opinion? I mean, it's it's got to be, at the end of the day, probably Brad Lambert, even though um, he was lower on people's lists, you know, at the end of the season. I understand with the production he had, people have loyalty concerns, whatever the hell that means. At the end of the day, I view it as a kid trying to get himself into a better situation to try to succeed because he was not working out in the previous situation. So I, I don't really see it as a loyalty concern. Um, he falls to 30. Winnipeg gets a hell of a deal. Uh, you know, they make out very well in the first round, getting him and Rucker McGordy, two guys that I'm very high on. So watching Lambert fall to 30, it, it was just a tremendous value, especially when I see, you know, right before him, Arizona goes with Maverick Lamoureux, who I think is a fine NHL prospect, but is he ever going to be more than, like, your fourth, fifth defenseman? It, 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 no, he, he might not even ever be your fourth defenseman. So to get a guy who has... I, I think a pretty fair bet to be top six forward and has that even potential, you know, top line upside. We, we've seen it in the past. Uh, it's a great deal for Winnipeg. Yeah, and speaking of Maverick Lamoureux, a little um, yeah. a little headline video, you know, headline. A little, little NSFW. Yeah, that uh, came with the draft pick as his parents celebrated, and the commentary team was loving it too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never seen someone swallow another person's tongue so aggressively in my life. <laughs> it was something. It, it it definitely was. And but we had the oh oh okay. Uh, <laughs> what what happens in Montreal stays in Montreal. I know that was a line thrown out there, yeah. but it, it it was pretty funny. All right, let's not talk about Tampa specifically. Yeah, eh? let's do it. Uh, Tampa with their first pick, thirty first overall, take the best looking and best dressed player that was attending Montreal. Yeah, crush Mike. I do. <laughs> hey. Actually, we're going through uh, quotes and stuff for um, the intro to the show. And the amount of tweets that I saw where girls were like, Isaac Howard is hot. <laughs> it, it baffled me. There were so many. There was as many as those as there were actual quotes from him. That's too funny. I mean, he, he, he's a good enough looking dude, so, so more power to him. And he's a hell of a hockey player. You know, if, funny enough, doing my... Uh, like draft, my my draft research this year, I noticed there was a bunch of March thirtieth, two thousand four birthdays that were like ranked highly in the draft for me, and he's one of those birthdays. Mm. Um, but Isaac Howard is really someone that's got legitimate ten- potential to be one hell of a steal out of the NHL draft. He was the leading scorer for the NTDP this year, not by mistake by any means. I mean, he he's got a lethal combination of shooting ability as well as playmaking ability. Uh, he's just a legitimate offensive threat. He's got a lot of confidence, and you can see it in the way he plays. Um, he is not afraid to take take some chances on offense and, you know, make a bold play, but it ends up working out pretty well for him more often than not. So he'll be going off to UMD next year, Minnesota Duluth, and it should be a pretty good opportunity for him. I, you know, expect him to, to be a guy who steps in um, at worst top nine forward to start the year um, and should find himself fi- fighting to be higher up in the lineup as the season comes along as he starts producing. Someone that really I don't think is super far out from the NHL. Uh, probably give him two years of college hockey, and, and he's ready to go. So this is a 
tremendous pick for Tampa, tremendous value, somebody that could, you know, potentially come in, step in, make a quick impact, and still try to help this team being on a cheap deal while we're still trying to push for cup runs. Yeah, very excited to bring in Isaac Howard. Right now, no doubt in my mind that he's the best player in our system, the best prospect oh, in our system. It, it's there's, a, there's miles long gaps. So, and you and I were talking, what, five, six picks before Tampa was actually on the clock that Isaac Howard could be a guy that's available for them that could be a good fit. Absolutely. And sure enough, there it is. Uh, our next pick was slated to be in the fourth round, and I believe it was 103. Instead, we move up to 86 to take Lucas Edmonds. What do you think of this pick? Yeah, I was a little surprised by it, not going to lie. Um, I, I like Lucas Edmonds. I think he's someone that probably should have been drafted a long time ago, probably should have been drafted his first couple go-rounds in the draft. But he instead enters this year as the oldest draft-eligible player. Um, he was able to enter the draft this year because he – Technically, was still under a Swedish um, like contract, so he was over here in North America playing in the OHL. So, really, when you're a 21 year old um, or a 20 year old, technically, when you're in your overage season, you're not supposed to be draft eligible. But since he was coming over from Sweden, he still had the European rules, so he still had that one extra year of eligibility. Comes over, comes to the OHL, and just kind of dominates, leads the league in scoring, over an assist per game, 113 points. And he's someone who he's just got a lot of offensive talent. I mean, he's got a, he's got a nice set of hands. He uh, reads the ice really well. He should end up being a pretty decent offensive threat. Um, you know, wherever he goes to play hockey next, it's not going to be in the NHL. He's not going to make that jump. I don't know if he's going to be in Syracuse. I don't know if he's heading back overseas. Um, you know, it's still kind of a wait and see thing. But his junior eligibility is up, so I, I really hope that we just see him in Syracuse right away. I think that would be best for him. But we do have um, some time to hold his rights as well. So if they, Tampa chooses not to sign him right away, they can still let him go to Europe, do his thing, and sign him later on. So. Kind of a wait-and-see thing, but he should be a guy who could have, you know, a, a, a decent shot at making the NHL within the next couple of years. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you're going to take a guy who's, you know, 20 years old, um, you're probably looking for him to make an impact a little bit sooner. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling as some other guys, but um, we talked about it. This year, we're... Uh, you know, poised to make another run. But the following year, we've got some big contracts that are coming yeah. up, and we're really going to have to keep an eye on that. Julian Breezebois is going to have to do some real work. Maybe he's looking at Lucas Edmonds being an older player, having a dominant season in the OHL. Maybe this is a guy that can come in in two seasons from now and be a contributor, whether it be, you know, on that third line, fourth line, just add some depth scoring there. And I think that's what the mindset is. I, I think he is someone that is looked at as a – Future complimentary piece to the middle six, maybe not the guy driving the offense, but a guy who has enough skill to sup, you know, to sup, uh, supplant or supplement the offense, um, whoever that he ends up playing with. So just give him a little bit of time, you know, let him fully adjust to the pro hockey levels because over in Sweden he never really got fully adjusted, never really got too much of an opportunity. Came over here and dominated against his peers. So once he gets more adjusted and is playing with his peers in the American League. Or even if he does go back over to Sweden, for example, um, I, I think we'll see things kind of start working out a little bit better for him. And then let's run through our last four picks here. We had a fifth rounder, sixth rounder, and two seventh rounders, and Nick Malik, Connor Kurth, Dylan Gill, and Klaus Weinbergs. Uh, what is the potential looking like with these four? Do we see NHLers? Uh, obviously, once you get into the later rounds, like the fifth, sixth, and seventh, you can't guarantee anything. But what are we looking at ceiling-wise? So Nick Malik's a, a bit of an interesting case study. Uh, he is the son of Monica Malik, former NHL defenseman. Um, if you, if anybody remembers, the it was the first year the shootout was was in, was in place, I believe. Um, he was a defenseman, not not a very 
skilled offensive guy. He had no goals this year, and he went down, and he's the first person to shoot the puck between his legs. Have you ever, I'm sure you've seen the video before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Monica Lee. His son is a goaltender who got passed over his first two times in the draft, and rightfully so. I mean, when when I, I saw this kid play in the OHL, um, there were some pretty high expectations coming over. He was playing in the Czech second league and putting up some really strong numbers, um, but wasn't really getting an opportunity at the top league because there were some older goalies ahead of him. So he decided to come over to the OHL. And he just immediately struggled. Bounced pretty hard, showed no signs of life, showed that he wasn't any sort of level of competence. Goes back over to the Czech 2 League the, pre- the, ne- or the following season, and then this year was playing in Finland and had an absolutely tremendous year. Um, a, a good step, a good sign to see, and this is probably the right spot where you're going to take this kind of goalie. Someone who struggled in the past, had a big year in his 20-year-old season. Uh, is he someone that could possibly be an NHL goalie one day? Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely within the realm of possibility, but am I going to bet heavily on it? No. Uh, I, I would have to guess that he's going to probably spend a couple more years over in Europe, whether, you know, right now he's still slated to play in Finland next season, but um, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing, but he could be someone that ends up paying off in the long run. And we know that goalies, they tend to take a little bit longer in their development, so maybe Tampa and Brisebois saw that with Malik, said, okay, his 20-year-old season, he looks phenomenal over in Finland. Maybe it just took him a little bit of extra time to really show his true potential. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years, this could be a guy that is backing up Vasilevsky. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And then moving on to our final three picks, um, you know, Connor Kurth, he's a kid that probably should have been drafted last year, put up some good numbers in the USHL this year, does even better. Um, you know, he, he's a nice stocky build, someone that I think has got some solid NHL potential. Uh, still going to be a long shot. There's a reason, you know, that he is in this draft slot, even after going undrafted. So, it's it's the potential's there, but it's, it's going to take some time. It's going to take him some development. Uh, then with Dylan Gill, not a guy I really know a lot about, to be honest. Um, I don't have a ton of watchings in the Quebec League, but put up some you know some modest numbers. Um, all right, size for defense, and I'm guessing that if he ends up working out, he'll be more of a kind of shutdown type of guy. Maybe provide some offense here and there. And then our final pick out of Latvia, um, you know Weinbergs. I I think. Just kind of off off the profile. Nice size. Didn't really score a ton in the MHL, which is the top junior league in uh, Russia, really. But uh, played for the, for the Latvian team. He did play in Latvia's top pro league. Put up five points for five games. Played in the men's team in the world championship as well. So there there there's there's some interesting things to see. There interesting things to be read. Um, it's hard to play on those world championship teams, especially in Europe as a young kid. Um, the world championships are so important to European countries that they really try to send the best teams they can. So. If you're making that team, it, it it tells you it tells you what kind of player you are at the end of the day. So this isn't a bad flyer to take, uh, someone that can spend a few years over in Europe, see if the game kind of rounds out. Yeah, and I think the NHL draft overall, complete success as the product of the NHL itself, and then also a complete success for Tampa, too, because we get the best prospect in our system that we've had in a while. We get two guys that are a little bit older, but maybe we see an impact from them sooner than we actually expect. So yep. uh, a good draft for Tampa and overall a super fun draft to watch for the viewers. So it was a good time, but now we got to talk about free agency and we'll do that right after this. The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, the DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, 
you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Any sports betting needs, make sure to head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Chase, free agency preview. It comes with uh, two names that we were hoping to re-sign before the free agency period. Now, there's still some time. Uh, Free agency doesn't officially start until Wednesday. However, as of right now, it seems more likely than not that we will uh, be seeing Palat and Ruda hitting the market. Yeah, and and that's tough. Obviously, we made the trade that we did with McDonough to try to re-sign these guys, and negotiations aren't going Quite as we hope, and I, I can understand, especially from Palat's standpoint, someone who has probably earned himself a pretty decent free agent payday, yeah. um, wanting to go explore those options and really really see what kind of money can be made. So can't really blame a guy for that. I can understand it. Um, Ruda, I don't really know the state of those negotiations, what kind of offer is being made. I can't imagine it was a super high dollar amount. Maybe he wants to see if he can get a little more free agency, which, again, he probably could. So I would expect these guys to walk and... If that happens, it, it's going to be very interesting because we already lost our entire third line, you know, coming into this season. Now we're going to lose a guy like Andre Plot, lose a guy like Ian Ruda. Guys, you know, they're pretty much everyday players for us. When they're healthy, they're, they were going, um, especially Andre Plot, someone who was such a key role in, in these last few cup runs, someone such a key role in the regular season. It's not an easy role to fill. You know, I, I would have to guess that Ross Colton would be the type of guy that we would really hope could take the next step and, you know, kind of fill in that role, but... You'd have also have to expect some sort of free agent signings. Who that might be, I really don't even know where to begin because mm-hmm. I don't see Breezebaugh going into free agency looking to overpay for somebody. I just don't see it happening. There's limited cap space. There's guys coming up in a couple of years. I got to imagine that he's going to try to find somebody who could be more of like a money ball type pick, someone that maybe is being overlooked for some reason. You can get him in on cheap deal. Hopefully he works out. Kind of like what Corey Perry did this year. He right. went for a million bucks, puts up 40 points. I, I think that's the kind of deal that Breezebaugh is going to be looking for. Um, uh, so I really wouldn't expect anything big and flashy. Yeah, and you and I were talking about that, how there's going to be players out there, they're going to be demanding their money, and maybe Brisebois, uh, like you said, goes for that money ball acquisition, but in another case, maybe he looks at the trade market rather than the free agency right. market. So not really sure uh, who's going to be out there. We know Jesse Pugliarvi, he is currently in trade talks with the Edmonton Oilers. Which, that would be a very John Cooper player right there. That, w- that would be a very nice addition. Someone who legitimately offers good two-way game. He, he, he plays strong defensively. He has a little bit of offensive to- ability to his game as well. He just he plays a team hockey game, and that would be one hell of a pickup. Mm-hmm. And the, the hard thing with free agency is where our cap space sits right now. So... Trade allows us to maneuver that a little bit easier. Yep. So that's something we could look for. But as of right now, it's up in the air. We'll see what Tampa does. Uh, once they do start making some moves, we'll make sure to let you guys know. Uh, let's now talk about some extensions that we have reported with Chris Latane, Philip Forsberg, Marc-Andre Fleury, Adam Boquist, Adrian Kempe, 
Tony D'Angelo, and Billy Huso. Yeah, so obviously he's kind of rattled off there quite quite a few um, extensions and signings, but we'll just kind of start with, I, I guess what we you know the furthest back was um, Adam Boquist, a three-year, $7.8 million extension, 2.6 a year, um, great value for Columbus, a mm-hmm. very nice, young, talented defenseman. Um, it's a nice bridge deal for Columbus. He can end up you know, really booming in these next couple of years. Setting him up for a you know a, a nice extension by the time that comes up, he'll still be an RFA. Maybe he can really get his big payday then. So I think that's at the end of the day a, a good signing for both guys or for both parties. Um, probably better off for Columbus at the end of the day. It's really not too high of a risk. Uh, and then when you look at Chris Letang, you know this is one that that is definitely worth talking about. Six years for a thirty-five year old defenseman, uh, six point one million dollar cap hit, thirty-six point six total. It's a lot of time for. You know, yeah, he he's still an impactful player, but still, it's for an aging defenseman. Uh, defensemen do not very often continue to produce well once they start getting to this age. The, the drop off happens kind of quickly, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, the cap hit—I really don't think is a problem if it was a two to three year deal. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, I think six years is, is a bit rich for me. Yeah, and I kind of thought we were seeing the downfall—not the complete downfall, but a little bit of regression from Chris Latane last year as he had. Uh, one of his a little bit more of a poor year, uh, putting up 44 points in 2019, 2020, 45 points in 2021. Um, didn't play, you know, the complete season, had some injury problems, stuff like that. But last year really showed that he's a true playmaker on the back end, really driving the power play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I like the the money. Contract is a little bit long. But when I just think about the Pittsburgh Penguins as a whole, and we're going to continue to talk about them later on when we talk about uh, some potential free agents that will be hitting the market, the Penguins are Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Latane, in my eyes. And without them, it feels like their window just shrinks even more. Uh, If they want to keep their window open for the playoffs, I feel like they need to keep them around or just completely move on from the whole thing and start over. Well, at the end of the day, the best move for the franchise is to trade Sidney Crosby, but that's not going to happen. So, right. so it's not even pretend to entertain that offer. And the problem with this type of deal, sure, you're trying to keep those guys in that have helped, you know, build a championship team. But we just saw Duncan Keith retired. Um, you know, he, he finished his career with the Edmonton Oilers, but he signed his extension at the age of 35 plus uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks. And when he signed a contract at that age, it's no matter what, a lock against your cap hit. So, say you sign you sign the six year deal. Latang retires a year into it, then you still have Pittsburgh on the hook for the extra thirty point five million dollars, and that's just dead cap. They can't use it, and that, that's just tough to do. That that's that's just risk you cannot take on as a general manager. It's it's irresponsible. Yeah, you want to keep this guy around. Yeah, you you don't want to lose your superstar, possibly top five player to ever play the game, Sidney Crosby, but. At the end of the day, for the future of the franchise, it's better off getting those guys out, getting big returns while you still can, because you can definitely get returns for a guy like City Crosby, and you'd be going through a much quicker rebuild than you would just holding on for dear life. I agree. Uh, I think in the long term, it'll hurt the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I think they're looking more towards the short term, and bringing these guys back uh, is the only potential of winning a Stanley Cup, and if they do that then I don't think that long-term hurt will 
be very bad if they bring in another Stanley Cup. That means you got to give Malkin whatever he wants, and they're not doing that. So that's you can't play both both sides of, the, of you know of the game here. I, I don't know what the hell yeah. the phrases I'm looking for, but Pittsburgh needs to realize that. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of a former Penguin, Mark Andre Fleury surprisingly signs a two year extension, uh, three point five years, seven million total with the Minnesota Wild. When it was said earlier in the day that. He was going to be hitting free agency. Minnesota was going to be moving on. But then he resigns Minnesota. So he's going to act as that transition piece for when Jesper Walshett's fully ready. Um, Walshett's coming over to North America this year, going to play in Iowa. And Minnesota is going to roll with Flurry and, and Talbot for probably the next two years, maybe only the next season. And one of them moves on and Walshett comes up. Is Mark Andre Flurry a Hall of Fame goalie for you right now? Probably. He's got the cups to really help him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a Vesna winning season late in his 30s, that really helps his case as well, too. So, you know, I, I would probably put him in there, especially, you know, if Lundqvist does get in, I think Lundqvist is the much, much, much better goalie. But at the end of the day, career accomplishments, numbers put up, that type of stuff. I mean, Flurry is – Flurry has career accomplishments and rivals him in those numbers, too. So he's got to get in. Yeah, and you and I were talking about – you, your brother and I, were talking about Marc-Andre Flurry and how he was a first overall selection and – he didn't do much uh, seasoning in Wilkes-Barre or, you know, anywhere else. He was basically up, ready to go for Pittsburgh, was playing from day one. Yeah, he had NHL games that first season, and that doesn't really happen with goalies. Goalies take a few years. Even if you are high-end prospects, you, you still go play another year or two a junior, maybe another year or two in Sweden. But first overall, you played games right away. So you still played games in the American League and in junior that year. But to play NHL games, it just shows what kind of what kind of goalie he was and what he was going to end up being and end up being a pretty damn good player. Yep. Adrian Kempe, he gets a four-year, $22 million extension with the LA Kings. What are your thoughts on the Kings securing one of their pieces in their young core? It's fine. I, I don't I don't have any hate against it. He's been a uh, pretty good, actually a bit unexpected, I guess. And not really unexpected, but kind of under-the-radar type guy. Um, it's, it's in part to LA being a bit underwhelming these last few years. But I think once you see them, they're going to be a lot better this year. They're going to be legitimate um, playoff contenders this year. You're going to see Adrian Kempe in a much stronger light. So I think I think it's a fair price to pay. Um, I think this works out for both sides very well. I think he he gets paid to be happy. L.A., they're not um, you know taking on such a large cap that they're screwed out of it. I, th- I think it's fair. Yeah, and then D'Angelo and Huso both sign-in trades, or trading signs, excuse me. Yep. Um, we saw D'Angelo head over to Philly and Huso heading to Detroit. Yep, D'Angelo, two years, $10 million total, so $5 million a year. Philly Hoso, three years uh, with 14.25 total, so $4.75 a year. Uh, D'Angelo, for his offensive output, that is a steal. For his defensive output, that is an extreme overpay. So at the end of the day, I think it's pretty much even. I, I think that's fair. Someone who's going to be an absolute uh, you know, quarterback on your power play, but brings pretty much zero defense and has obviously had his well-documented issues with teammates and coaches. So... Going to be interesting to see how that works out for Philly. Uh, Billy Huso for Detroit is a, a bit of a surprise to me. I thought this team was going to try to maybe hold on for one more season, try to rebuild a little bit longer, maybe have a flyer possibly in that Connor Bedard uh, sweepstakes, which would have made a lot, a lot of sense for the team. But by having Huso, by having Nadelkovich, it's showing that, yeah, you, you're, you're ready to go. You, you, you want to try to compete. So I would have to, you know, you know guess that they're going to start trying to push for playoff spots here. And if that's the case, then you get Huso for a nice deal. Um, I think that's a pretty fair salary for what he did this year. Yeah, it's a nice little duo as well to uh, have while you're waiting for Sebastian Coast to come up. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, 
we're talking about just like pure duos, and you know, I, I, at least in the East, I'd have to really evaluate the West. But I know I looked at the East teams. Um, yeah, we've got Vasilevsky, but like Brian Elliott doesn't hold a candle to either of these two guys. And same thing in in New York. Now you have um, Shosturkin, and I don't even know who the backup's going to be at this point. Um, so it, it, really, it's it's Detroit and like the Islanders with Sorokin and Varlamov are the, are the you know two of the best tandems definitely in the East, maybe in the whole league. So as long as they get good goaltending. To, Detroit could be a sleeper team to make playoffs next year. Well, speaking about goalies in the East, you've got Matt Murray with Ottawa. Uh, there's potential he might be getting sent over to Toronto. Yeah, uh, this is weird. I don't really, I haven't really seen any updates about this. Um, I haven't checked dur- during the show, but um, I, I really don't know what the return might be because he's pretty. He's been pretty underwhelming since he's been to Ottawa. Um, he's found, you know, had had some successes here and there, but there's a whole since he got that contract just really has not been great. So. I would assume it would be more of a cap dump style type of trade where he'd move for pretty much nothing. Um, Toronto has the cap space for him as they're not going to be re-signing Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. So I would assume he'd come in for essentially free, gives Ottawa a little bit of cap flexibility. They've, you know, they've got their goalies they want to run with. They can go make a couple free agent pushes. Uh, now that they have the brink at, they're showing that they're ready to try to become that playoff team. Yeah, and Toronto doing this because Jack Campbell... Uh, as Darren Drager tweets out here, Jack Campbell and Kyle Dubas met yesterday. I'm told it was friendly, but unproductive. Nothing's changed. Jack Campbell still expected to hit the market. Matt Murray might be a guy that maybe they try to revive his career because we know he performed pretty well with the Pittsburgh Penguins early on. Then he started to see some struggles. He moved over to Ottawa and became one of the worst starting goaltenders in the league. Uh, starting goaltenders. And... Who knows? He's he's still, uh, what, 27 years old. He still maybe has some potential to turn it around a little bit, but he's got to find the right team, the right system, the right coaching staff. For sure, and goalies are weird. Like, you look at Scott Darling, prime example. Guy was playing all the way down in the SPHL, which is the fourth-level pro league here in North America, and then he is going on runs of putting up low twos of goals against average in the NHL, getting paydays from Carolina, and then going right back to being – not worthy of being in the NHL. Goalies are weird. They, they go through these stretches all the time. They can get hot for a couple of years. They can get down for a couple of years. Um, you just never know what a goalie's really going to do at the end of the day. Absolutely. Let's now move over to Chicago. Talk about Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubalik. As it seems as if they are going to be hitting the open market with no restrictions at all. Yeah. So it, it was pretty much announced, super much guaranteed that both these guys will be walking. Um, seemed like it was going to be the sentiment for the last couple of months coming out of Chicago that these guys were just going to both be let to go. Um, Chicago felt that they were not worth the qualifying price, which was um, for both of them their last contract price. So I don't know if I wholeheartedly agree. I think Kubelik is someone, you know, may, maybe even strength isn't the most productive guy, but someone, um, he, he's a good good option for you in the power play, and he can still bring some offense um, during 5-on-5 five five play, but maybe defensively is kind of whatever. And Dylan Strom is a guy who, I've always been really high on it. I think he's a very talented player. The skating really brings him down. It, it really makes people kind of doubt him in the NHL circles, and I can understand that. But at the end of the day, he's just he's got a very strong hockey sense. He's got a lot of talent. He's the best of the three Strom brothers, in my opinion. Um, and Ryan Strom you know, is getting paydays, getting opportunities, so I think Dylan Strom deserves the exact same. And what do you think about Chicago and their situation as a whole? I know a lot of people were critical of the talk that, the GM over at Chicago was putting out there that, hey, this is now a rebuild. We're trying to get younger, get better. Uh, but they keep on, or they keep holding on to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze 
yet they're moving out 24 and 25-year-olds like Strom Kubalik and Alex Dabrinkit. Yeah, and I'm even a 21-year-old in Kirby Doc. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's weird. It definitely is weird, but I would expect that Patrick Kane is probably moving this offseason. It sounds like they're going to meet with him here within the next couple of weeks, determine his future, see what he wants to do. Um, he's got a lot of control on where he wants to go, so kind of a wait-and-see thing there, but I would imagine he's on the move. Taves, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's just too much money to try to move. Um, even if you retain half, I don't want to hold on to his $5 million cap that would be on my team for the rest of his contract. That's just... It, it, it's it's just too much. So I think Chicago's kind of found themselves in a pickle on that one. Um, but even though I don't think they made out great in these trades that they made, they at least somehow turned zero first-round picks into three first-round picks this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, They lost to Brinkett. They lost Doc, sure. But they got... Definitely two guys, maybe even possibly third in the first round, who I am pretty high on in Kevin Krasinski and Frankie Nazar. So they're doing the things they need to do. They're, they're taking the right steps. They're rebuilding the right way, going through the draft. Yeah, you're moving out young guys, which I don't really agree with. at Kirby Doc, even if I don't have a high ceiling for Kirby Doc, they're still young players that you spent you know good draft capital on, you spent money on. It doesn't really make sense to trade them for what you did. But at least they got... At the end of the day, decent total returns for both. If you're moving on from Patty Kane, would it make sense to move on from Seth Jones too? Seth Jones should never gotten the contract in the first place. So yeah, a hundred percent. If you can get a deal for Seth Jones, which I don't think you can, but if you can, then you got to take it, even if it is what I would consider lower than market value. You get that nine nine million dollars, nine and a half, whatever it is, off your books because he's just going to be detrimental to that rebuild at the end of the day. And I think that. If that were to be the case where you see the departure of Patrick Kane and Seth Jones on top of what they've already uh, decided to move on from, this is a team that's in the Bedard sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely they are. And I don't want that. I know you don't. That's I why don't I brought it up. Yeah. I want to kind of Bedard to go somewhere fun. Like, I'd, I'd love to see him play for a team like Seattle. I, I truly would. I'd, I'd love to see him play for Arizona. Almost any no, <laughs> any other original six team other than Chicago or Boston. Um, that means even both Toronto and Montreal. As much as I would hate it, at least he'd be playing in fun markets where he'd get some decent opportunities. And you know, in like Montreal, got you know, he got some young talent around him. I, I'd rather see him almost, really, almost anywhere than than somewhere like Chicago. Uh, or I guess you know, I take the back. Definitely don't want to see him on the Islanders. That would be gross. Yeah. Um, but that, that would definitely be a shame. It's really going to be interesting next year. Uh, we know we're, we're going to do some 23 NHL draft stuff this offseason to really kind of go into those guys, talk about Connor Bedard a lot more extensively. Um, it's going to be an interesting battle. I don't think we're going to quite see you know, what we saw back in the 80s for Mario Lemieux when the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New Jersey Devils were both kind of just like, yeah, we're, we're going to kind of punt this season, and the Penguins especially when they had a goalie on a winning streak and they were sending him down like they're doing that type of stuff. I don't think we're going to see anything to that extent because it's pretty frowned upon in the NHL nowadays, but there's definitely going to be teams that are not really trying to improve themselves enough this offseason mm-hmm. and are doing what they can to get that top pick. And it is one hell of a prize if you get that top pick. And shout out to Pete Blackburn for one of my favorite tweets I've seen this year. He was talking about the Arizona situation. So the best part about the Arizona Coyotes and playing for them is that you can play in the NHL and go to college at the same time. So funny. I laughed so hard. <laughs> it's absolutely, he, he had a couple of real good ones on draft night. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very funny. All right, let's now finally talk about some of the top free agents available. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau out there, Evgeny Malkin, who, uh, you know, talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit earlier on, he's going to be hitting, most likely, hitting the market. Uh, Nazim Kadri, Valerie Nachushkin, Claude Giroux, John Klinberg, all these guys 
are some big names that we will be seeing head elsewhere this season. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because from from what I saw, I, um, shoot, where, I don't know where I saw it, but Kemper was pretty much all but certainly signing somewhere. Um, but I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head now. I apologize. Um, if you want to Google that, that would yep. be great. Um, in the meantime, Valerie Nishushkin is a guy that I'm big on. He's either going to sign a team friendly dealer in Colorado or get an absolute payday in free agency, and I think he should probably take that payday. But we'll see. Um, Johnny Gaudreau is the top prize for sure. Who knows where the hell he's going to go? I don't know. Um, there's definitely some suitors out there. There's going to be people willing to pay him a lot of money, and reasonably so. He's one of the best players in the league. He has produced at a like top 30 player like in the last 50, 60 years rate. He's been a pretty phenomenal player to, to start his career. Uh, Claude Giroux, Nazem Kadri, you know, th- those guys are interesting options. I think if this Ottawa and Toronto trade goes through with Matt Murray, I, I could very well see one of these two ending up in Ottawa. I think it kind of fits their build, especially Claude Giroux, someone who's from the area. But it's going to be interesting to see, especially, you know, I don't know if you mentioned Evander Kane or not, but apparently um, six or seven million dollars isn't going to be enough to get the job done for Evander Kane. Sounds like he wants like possibly eight, nine million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So he had a hot finish to. He did. To, to you know go with Edmonton, but uh-huh. he's also playing with Connor McDavid and Leandre Seidel often. Yeah, and we saw him get a big contract over in San Jose, and we saw it didn't really pan out too well. Nope. Obviously, there was some discussion about what kind of a locker room personality he was over in San Jose, and uh, it's just going to be interesting to see. What yes. happens there? Uh, the Darcy Kemper, the only thing I see is that there's high interest with the Capitals. Okay. Um, not sure if that's the team you I, saw. I, I, but that, that sounds right. I thought it was like a, like a three- or four-year deal or something that I saw was in the works. Okay. I do not uh, see anything about potential deal, but I do well, see high interest between the two. Maybe I dreamed it, and maybe I'm just you know telling the truth. Or, like, or Very possible. Well, they're telling the future here. We'll see. Nostradamus type stuff? Yeah. There you go. That'd be fun. It would be. Um. Well, hey, we talked about... Evgeny Malkin and how it's likely he goes to free agency because the Penguins offered him two-year deal, three-year deal, but he wants a four-year deal, and they're not wanting to do that, apparently. But you give the tank six. Right. What if, crazy idea, what if they're okay with letting Malkin go because they're going to get Patrick Kane? I, I mean, not gonna, I, yeah, I don't yeah, think they have the resources I, yeah, to be able to do that. Yeah, but. I, don't, I don't think that will be happening. But Crosby, Patrick Kane, that'd be fun. It would be. I, I can't lie about <laughs> yes. that. Yes. I, I really, you know, I know Penguins fans don't want to see Malkin go, but I really want to see what Malkin can do somewhere else. I wish this happened five years ago when he could have been, you know, he, he was a top five player in the league. He could have been a number one center in literally every single other team. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he just didn't get the opportunity because he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh, win championships, play with his friends, and I totally understand that. But now he's getting an opportunity, and I still think he has one more season. I truly do. One more season of just dominance in him. He's just, you can tell that he had some slumps this year, but he still has his full ability. So if you want somewhere where we had a couple, you know, complimentary pieces, got to be the number one, maybe we see him rip off 100-point season. I really hope so, because the last couple of years, obviously we know he's had a lot of injuries, and coming off of the injuries, he still seemed to be a little bit slowed down. So really hoping to see that... uh, kind of progress from him. Here's a question for you. Right now, you got $8 million in the bank. You're going to give it to, this might be an obvious one because we know where your your favoritism lies, but you're going, giving it out to Evander Kane, who we saw put up a ton of goals in the playoffs and at the end of the season in Edmonton. You going the more defensive route with Valerian Nutrition. It's a very clear Valerian Nutrition because <laughs> – 
at the end of the day, he still put up almost, um, was it 52 points for 62 games last year while being probably the second best defensive forward, if not the best defensive forward in the league this year. Um, you can make the argument between him and Bergeron. To do that on the wing, it tells, tells me everything I need to know, that this guy is just an absolute dog, and I'm happily giving him that kind of payday. I know some people were opposed to it. Um, you know, I, I put out there for even like a $7 million payday when people are like, oh, you're, you're paying a shooting like $2 million too high. It's like, eh, just, just, just wait and see because he's going to get paid. Sure enough, he has a hell of a, hell of a Stanley Cup Finals run, uh, has a great playoffs, had a great season, and he is going to get paid if he does not re-sign with Colorado. It, it, it just guarantees he'll, he'll be one of the top five paydays this offseason. It's going to be a fun free agency to watch. Uh, I wish that I would have the day off, but I do not. So I'm going to have to keep track of all the signings on my phone. But, hey, Wednesday after uh, I get off work, we're going to be talking. Uh, we're going to be doing another podcast. So hopefully there's a couple big signings uh, at that point, and we'll talk to bu- talk about some of them as we get there. Mm-hmm. So that's going to do it for this show. We're going to go to a quick hockey name of the day. And it's a good thing, Chase, because the old laptop's at 13%. So We're, we're fighting. Yeah. All right, let's go with Amadeus Lombardi. Yes, Amadeus, sir. Amadeus, Amadeus. Yes, uh, yes I, I, knew, I knew you were going to go for that. But Amadeus Lombardi, what a great name. Uh, Detroit Red Wings draft pick this year. Fourth round pick, 113th overall. Five foot ten center. Played for the Flint and Firebirds last year. Is an uh, Ontario, Canada native. But a 59 points with 67 games the O this year. Didn't play any hockey last season with COVID and stuff. So this guy ended up being a pretty good value for Detroit uh, in the draft. Um, you know, good work by our former GM, Steve Eiserman. Um, You know, we're, I, I'm liking the job he's doing with Detroit so far. But Amadeus is just an unbelievable name. Some of the names in these draft classes were just incredible. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some more. I'll probably throw in a couple more hockey names of the day um, from this draft class just because there are some really all-time names, you know, I, I, I won't throw it in there because we talked about him before, but like a Seamus Casey, you know, like just, just absolutely just Seamus, just fantastic. Whoever's named their kid Seamus in the 2000s, I applaud you. Just just fantastic. But Amadeus is a legitimate NHL prospect. Got a fun name. Um, someone that we could be seeing here in the NHL within the next couple of years, maybe. Yeah, and I saw a tweet. I think it was whoever called Amadeus on the phone to let him know he was getting drafted by the Red Wings. They wanted to. It was Yeah, it was Chris Draper. Yes. Yeah. And he wanted to do the uh, little Amadeus Amadeus. Yes, he so. did. Which cool. would have been hilarious. Yeah, it would have been. All right, well, that's going to do it for the show. I want to thank you so much for coming out. Chase, hit him with an outro. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. You should go check us on Patreon. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at Bolts Broadcast, at Bolts Broadcast. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. That's at HockeyPodNet. We're at follow WMP on Twitter, WMP Sports Pod. That's WMP Sports Pod. Make sure the hockey podcast network.com and all the podcast network right there. Boom, click the logo. Listen, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Revolution, if you raise five stars, send us your questions, comments, concerns. We really appreciate it. Review, do not forget to use code THPN next time for DraftKings. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time. Man.